0: Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I have the privilege of giving the offering this morning, and um, as we were singing about stripping it all away, I think of what the Lord commanded us to do, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And I just think about stripping it all away, and what our hearts hold sometimes they hold idols and they hold things and possessions and people and God wants to strip our hearts bare so that we only house him and one of those things I know is money and money grips people's hearts it's an idol and the Bible talks about that and so that's why it's so important to give and I want to encourage you all today to worship God with your giving. You know, Awakened Ministries doesn't need your money. God is the provider. But you need to be blessed and you need to be biblical and your heart needs to be pure and holy unto the Lord. And one of the most practical ways to do that is to give generously because it shows God and it even shows yourself, even if you don't, you know, believe that your heart's there. When you give generously, it shows you and God That is not an idol. My heart is clean, and I will give everything to you because you gave everything to me. So um, we're we're gonna just take an offering. There's a basket up front. You can also go to awaken-ministries.com through Venmo, Cash App, just all sorts of ways. You can leave a check in the basket as well or cash. And I just encourage you to give generously because your heart is made for Jesus. So I'm just going to pray real quick over the offering and then we're going to transition. Father, I just bless this offering and um, I bless the hearts that are in this room and the hearts even that are listening online. And I pray you teach us, Lord, to worship you with our finances and worship you with everything we own because it's all been given to you. We don't own a thing. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Jesus bless y'all. Everybody go ahead and stand back up. So we don't believe in getting comfortable around here. If you get comfortable, that's where you'll die. We don't need to die. We need to live because he's alive. Our flesh needs to die. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you for... Allowing us to come together once again to worship your name, to, to talk about you, to, to learn about you, to go deeper into you, Lord, so that our flesh may die deeper, deeper still. Father, I pray that the words that are spoken today, that they'll bear fruit, that they'll go deep down inside the hearts of those that will receive them. And they shall grow and bear much fruit. Lord, I thank you that we have the ability to challenge everything that's said with the word. I thank you that your mercy reigns here and your freedom reigns here because you have been made king here. So let your fire fall and let your truth be said. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all can sit down if you want. Stand up if you want. Run around the room if you want. You'll find that I don't have many rules other than you have to seek God however you see fit. That's it for me. I don't believe in, uh, uh, the structure, uh, that the American church has tried to put in place, uh, that makes y'all all seem civilized in the glory of God. We're supposed to be uncivilized. We're supposed to be undone. Um, as we were worshiping Uh, Lord speaking to me about a lot of things, but one of the, one of the main things I get asked a lot is we travel and we minister and we see a lot of miracles, blind eyes open people out of wheelchairs, cancer dies, just different things, the dead raised. Um, and people always ask, why do we not see, um, the dead raised in America? Why do we not see these extreme miracles, uh, like you see in third world countries in America? And, my answers are different from time to time, but this, this morning, the Lord reminded me that we don't worship him the way they do. And uh, he reminded me, uh, and as soon as he said that, I was thinking, well, some people are old and their bodies are starting to hurt and they can't do it as long and they can't do it as wild and crazy. And, and this was just thought patterns, not, not mine, but, but answers that I believe people would give. And then I was reminded that we were in in Mexico ministering um, some years back and uh, their worship sessions are like four hours long and it's the same beat over and over and over and everybody's jumping, everybody's bouncing. And it was about two hours into the worship service and this woman come in Uh, old woman uh, they come down off the top of a hill in a in the back of a truck they had been in the back of the truck for eight hours this woman is who knows how old because they didn't have birth certificates back then and so she might be 100 years old we don't know Uh, she don't know she don't know when she was born they pick a day they say that's my birthday and so she's old she gets out of the truck they help her down she's on this walker and she walks up and it's not an american walker it's a it's a weird thing Um, and she comes up to the front and she sits down on this chair and the music's going. And probably about 30 minutes later, she stands up with that Walker and she takes that Walker and pushes it over. And then she just starts to jump and she just jumps for like 35 minutes. And then all of a sudden she just gets down on her knees and begins to worship God from her knees. And the Lord spoke to me as we was worshiping. He said, that's why they don't see it here, because they refuse to worship me beyond the limitation that they placed inside themselves. See, we we don't want to admit it. Every one of us in here, uh, we make limitations. You decide in the moment, uh well that that's 30 minutes of worship i'm tired i'm gonna sit down that's 45 minutes of worship i don't like that song um i don't like that person up there leading worship i know they're in sin i don't like them being up there uh well i'm sorry to tell you that it was never about them and it was never about you it was about him and as long as he's worthy you should be worshiping him and his worthiness is unending And so it doesn't matter how tired your body gets. It doesn't matter how much hurt you have. He hurt more. And he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. No matter what we think, no matter, we've got to destroy opinions. We've got to step into his will, not ours. Now I'm just warming up. This ain't even my sermon. But I I, I get this uh, all over America And one of the other things that I always tell them is America doesn't know how to yield. America doesn't know how to yield. You've known Jesus from birth, the name at least. People in these third world countries, they've been bound by other religions for so long that they thought that was the only way. And then when you come and give them another way that is the true way, the only way, they're done. They're done. They're completely done. They're done with everything else. They're going to worship him. No matter what it costs them, no matter what it takes. We want fancy buildings. We want big rooms. We want lots of people. We want special sound system, and we need to have a full band. In India, they just pass the microphone around, and they just pretty much scream into it. And it's not beautiful to me, but it's beautiful to him, and it doesn't matter what I think. I've seen so many people get healed in worship. I've probably seen more people get healed in worship than I have at an altar call, that I have at a baptism, that I had at a fire tunnel. Anything you want to match up and talk about where one man or men are laying hands on people, I've seen more in worship. I've seen more in prayer. I've seen more in fasting. This is why America doesn't see what it's longing to see because they're refusing to do the things that it takes to get it. Well, brother, now you're talking about works. I am a little bit. But I'm also talking about just devotion and what it's like to be a believer, what we're supposed to be doing. It's not work if it becomes your identity. You wouldn't say that breathing is a work. The things of God that we're supposed to be doing unto the Lord are supposed to be more significant than breathing. And they're not works when they become our reality, when they become our life, when they become who we are. It's part of our DNA. We were sitting at the table last night and we were talking about moves of God. And I hate to burst people's bubbles. But I don't believe there's as many moves of God going on in America as what people say that there are because moves of God change cities. They change states. And they change their city first, not everybody else's. We were talking about Brownsville Revival and, and uh, I was privileged to be around a lot of the, the main guys that were a part of that um, and, and hearing stories firsthand from what they experienced and what it was like. And, and I cannot help but compare all these other supposed moves of God to the true moves of God of the past. I don't want God to repeat what he did in the past, but some of the characteristics should be the same. I remember hearing a great man of God that was a spiritual son of Steve Hill, and he's talking to me about how when the Brownsville revival broke out, businesses opened up all over the city. People started moving to be a part of the revival. People started opening businesses. Jobs begin to explode. Hotels begin to open up. The economical impact that a revival or a move of God has on a city is always the same. So that's one way that we can judge. Is this a move of God? Is the economy around this city different than the rest of the world? Because it should be. Because when God touches anything, it shall prosper. The other thing was, another guy who told me, he he said it was ridiculous the amount of souls that were being won daily in the services. He said, but that's not what amazed me the most. It was the amount of souls that were being won on the street and brought in. It was the the message of repentance, the conviction that surrounded that move of God that we find in all the true moves of God. Every move of God's main priority must be souls. It can't be healings. It can't be miracles. It can't be manifestations. It can't even be getting people filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. It must be souls first. Everything else comes after. The other thing that would happen was is amazing to me, that they would get pulled over. Cops would pull people over leaving the revival because they thought they were drunk. And it becomes so normal that the cops would pull these people over and say, have you been drinking tonight? They would say, no. They would say, where have you been? I've been at the Brownsville Revival. And the cop would go, oh, let me give you an escort. Because they knew they weren't drunk as they supposed We go back to Acts. That was a mark of the move of God. They thought they were drunk. This should be the normal now too. We watch the Kenneth Hagin videos quite often of the old rhema moves and and the way Kenneth Hagin moved in power and faith and the way they would jump up and take off running and jump into baptisms just randomly. And I had somebody here ask me, they they said, the Spirit of God will make you do that? I said, no. But the power comes on you in such a way that you don't know what to do with it. So that's what you decide to do with it. You decide to let it out through a run, through a jump, through a scream, through a holler. What is that called? It's called yielding. You're leaning in to, we hear these words, lean in. What does it mean? What does it mean when they from the pulpit say lean in? They won't tell you. They just say lean in. Lean into what the spirit of God's doing. You're like, I'm trying. I don't don't know. I don't know what that means. It means whatever you feel like the Spirit of God is wanting you to do in that moment, do it. He'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. It's like people that they, they, they say, I've never been slain in the Spirit. I said, well, when someone lays hands on you, just fall. <laughs> well, like, brother, I don't want to fake it. You've been a fake your whole life.
0: Come
1: on. <laughs> if someone touches you and you're been wanting to be slain in the Spirit, fall when they touch you, Jesus will meet you there. Because that's a new level of your flesh that doesn't like and must die because you just fell on purpose because you said, God, I want you to meet me here. I've never ran in a service. Start running. He'll meet you there. I heard a great man of God talk about one time that he was in a service and they began to run, just to run. The Spirit of God didn't make them run. They just felt like running. And in the middle of running, a woman that had cancer got healed. Completely healed. A blind man's eyes opened as he began to walk around the room as fast as he could without seeing, and his eyes opened up. Tumors have fallen off of bodies as people just begin to run. Why? Why? Because God loves death. And if it makes your flesh squirm, he's drawn to it. He said, let me meet you there. The other thing was, is that the the move of God didn't just happen in the church. It happened everywhere the people went. And I'm not talking about they went to other churches. I'm talking about they went to gas stations and to get gas. And they felt the love of Jesus for the clerk. And they prayed for him. And the clerk fell out in the Holy Ghost. And then other people began to come to the gas station. And they went out and began to minister the word of God. To one point to where everyone was laid out. On the concrete around the gas pumps. And the police come to see what was going on. Because this is strange. It changes a city. The city that it's happening in must be changed. If it's a move of God, you should not be able to go anywhere in that city without somebody knowing about what's happening. If you go to that city and they don't know, it may not be a move of God. God might be moving in it, but it may not be a move of God. God will always move amongst his people. He'll always touch his people. But we've got to stop calling things revival, moves of God, whatever it is you want to label it. The most common one is revival. And that's because we don't know what else to call it. When I'm here to tell you, I believe God's done with revival. He's done reviving dead things. He's now awakening up those that have been asleep. That's just me. That's just my belief. I've shared this with many. I see him doing a new thing. I see him awakening up the sleeping giants. I see him rekindling the old fires that have burned down to coals. I see him throwing past generations upon these old coals so that they can light a flame and carry what they used to carry into the next generation. Not even my sermon. But it's what burns in me. Moves of God will never happen until the people demand the move of God. Moves of God will never happen until the people begin to demand more of their leaders. They begin to demand that their leaders walk in holiness and righteousness, that they become free from sin and flee from all evil. That they open up their lives and their homes to the people so they can see the way they live behind closed doors. Jesus never lived hidden, so why do our leaders... Decide to live hidden. What are they hiding? That's my question. And no, I'm not telling you that every leader in America is evil because they don't let you in their home. I'm just saying that I believe they should. I'm not saying leaders that don't means that they're hiding something. They've got a secret affair going on. I'm just saying that if they'll open their house to you, they'll open their life to you, they'll never have to worry about having it. I worked as a project coordinator a long, long time ago. And there was a man that owned the business there, and he was uh, helping out with the youth um, at a local church. And we were standing in the in the main room one day eating, eating a catered lunch, and and um, he said a bad word. He said a cuss word. He He began to say things he shouldn't say, and then all of a sudden conviction came upon him, and he looked at me, and he said, man, he said, I wish I had one of them youth kids with me all the time because it would hold me accountable. And while that that is true, my, my, my heart began to weep in that moment. Why isn't the Holy Spirit enough? Yes, we need to bring other people around us to hold us accountable. And leaders that are more open and more vulnerable in front of their people are less likely to fall. But the Holy Spirit should be enough conviction. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection should be enough to make us want to live the right way, to flee from those evil thoughts, to not even let them come out of our mouth, to not act a certain way, but to choose to live righteously. Let me do a verse so y'all feel better. John 16, 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Another way it reads is, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. Let me read it another way. These things I have spoken to you, in order that in in me peace you may be having. In the world you are having tribulation, but be having courage. I have off victorious over the world with a permanent victory. He says, I have came off victorious. But it's very interesting to me as I was listening to the word this morning as I was praying and preparing and trying to figure out what in the world I was going to talk about on uh, Palm, Sun, Palm Sunday. That's it. See, y'all get offended because I don't know those things. We don't know if this is the right day. We just make it up or celebrate it tomorrow if I want. But as I was ministering to the Lord this morning in my time and listening to the word, this, this stuck out to me, this stood out to me because we have, we have so many people that walk in anxiety and depression and doubt. And they say, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. That ain't what the word says. The word says that if you're in him, you have salvation. And there in this verse, it says, in me, you'll have peace. So if you're in me, you shall experience peace, but not just any peace, my peace. And then he goes on to tell us the next thing. If you're in the world, it's going to be tribulation. It's going to be struggles. It's going to be doubt. So the moment you step into doubt, you step into anxiety, you step into the opposite of peace, you now know you've stepped into the world and you need to repent and get back at his feet as quickly as you can. Because what he was saying was, he wasn't saying be, be of good cheer because you can be in the world because I've overcome the world. He's saying, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world so you can come back into me and have peace. He said, "I hold the door between the world and me. and because I've overcame it, it now belongs to me. And because it belongs to me, you can get back in. But you need to get back in. Don't spend days and hours and weeks in struggle and doubt and depression. Get back to his feet. Here's a little trick. I can't get to his feet. Go win somebody to him. When you win souls, the father's drawn to you like never before and you'll find it easier to get back into his peace. Permanent, permanent victory. What is the world? Depression, anxiety, doubt, He has permanent victory over it. And the only way you're not experiencing that victory is if you have stepped into allowing another master to rule over you. Because if he be your master, he's already victorious over it. If he be your master, you're a slave to love. And love has defeated the world. Stand up, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, like always, I've done all that I know that I can do. I spoke what I feel is burning inside of me with passion, with truth, with anointing. that I pray that the anointing breaks the yoke this morning and destroys some walls in people's lives, even as they listen to this on the podcast later. Even 10 years from now, the anointing shall still be alive and destroy the walls that are binding these people that are trying to be free from religion, that are trying to be free from the lies of the enemy that has infiltrated most of the churches. That they'll step into what you said, it's not on this mountain or that mountain. When everyone's trying to find a mountain to worship God, you said it would be in spirit and truth. It's not about that mountain or this mountain. It's about the spirit It's about the truth. So Lord Jesus, have your way in me and have your way in all those that are willing to accept you having your way. That they would understand that they don't have to be in depression and anxiety because you've overcame it. And if we belong to you, we are victorious over it too. If we be buried with you, we rise with you. So we thank you of your victory. We thank you of your mercy and your loving kindness. May it flow through us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.